Thanks so much for being with us again here on the Mighty 790 KFGO. Time again for our Twins Weekend Wrap with the play-by-play voice of the Minnesota Twins on the television side, Dick Bramer, brought to you by Jefferson Lines, your number one bus experience for over 100 years serving North Dakota and cities throughout the Midwest. And, Dick, uh, speaking of the Weekend Wrap, this was a good one to wrap up, huh? It was a really good but chilly weekend at Target Field. The Twins could very easily have won all three games, but the main thing is they uh, they got a look at the Cleveland Indians. They beat them twice, and I think uh, the Indians look very vulnerable, at least right now, and that should, uh, in addition to the wins themselves, that should give Twins fans little encouragement. You know, so much going into the season is about the pitching and what have you. You know, that's always a concern when it comes to Twins fans and baseball fans, but I know it's only a three-game sample, but so far, so good. Yeah, I was particularly uh, delighted to see how Michael Pineda looked in the series finale on Sunday. It looked like he had great command. The pitching conditions uh, were terrible, of course, with it being so cold. And to have that kind of command with the variety of pitches that he has uh, hopefully will bode real well for the Twins. We haven't seen uh, Kyle Gibson yet. He's going to pitch here in Kansas City uh, on Wednesday. Uh, he'll be a big part of the rotation. Martin Perez has looked good. So, yeah, who, uh, you know, you can't, you can get impressions at this point of the year. You can't come to any conclusions, but the early impressions are pretty positive for the Twins starting pitching. I almost fell off my chair as I, I walked down in the family room and I was busy doing stuff on Saturday. And I, I'm, I can't remember the exact stat, but you said uh, on the television side, you said that th- this is the first time since I can't remember when, when, Two pitchers back to back had over how many strikeouts in the first two games of the season? I'm thinking back to the days of you know Schilling and Pedro or whatever. That that was stunning to me. I can't remember exactly what you're talking about, but that just seems so odd with some of the dual pitchers that we've had for some ball clubs over the past 20 years. Yeah, I still have a hard time believing it. Uh, it the stat was Barrios and Odorizzi were the just the second pair of pitchers to start a season with 10 or more strikeouts uh, in a start. And I, I just, I, I still have a hard time believing that. The others were Randy Johnson and Kurt Schilling, but you would have thought, you know, my gosh, you know, Bob Gibson, just Jim Palmer, the great rotation the Orioles had, that somebody, uh, you know, would have done that many more times than just uh, the second time in, in baseball history. But maybe it's a yet another example of how prevalent strikeouts uh, are now compared to how, relatively rare they were not that long ago it was uh, an amazing stat and elias provided it uh, and they're the um, the stat uh, gurus and uh, the uh, uh, you know uh, absolute authority when it comes to th- things like that so it's true but it just seems very hard to believe it really does i mean so is this just the new norm for baseball now is more strikeouts and more home runs? I mean, it just seems so odd that we're not going to be as concerned. I mean, what would they have told Rod Carew that, that you shouldn't lay down a bunt anymore for a base hit? Well, the game has certainly changed. That That is undeniable, whether it's changed for the better or not. Uh, that is up for debate. And, uh, you know, there are hitters now. Uh, I remember a long time ago, I used to do games with Harmon Killebrew, and he used to say there was a stigma attached to a hitter striking out a hundred times. And regardless of how many home runs you hit, you just didn't want to strike out 100 times. Well, now uh, 200 is the new 100 in terms of strikeouts. There are guys that'll have a hundred strikeouts, uh, you know, by Memorial day almost. And so 
whether it's good for the game or not, that's up for debate. But it's undeniable that uh, the stigma attached to 100 strikeouts just is not there anymore. Dick Bramer with us here for our Twins Weekend Wrap on the Mighty 790 KFGO, brought to you by Jefferson Lines. And, you know, the man that you're in the booth with as of late, the Justin Morneau, you think about his MVP year, yeah, he had home runs, but he could hit for average. He could hit a lot of doubles, too. I mean, those are my dream type of players. Yeah, and Justin, of course, made himself a really good hitter. Uh, and and I don't know that, that he necessarily agrees with the, the new uh, philosophy as it comes to uh, as it relates to hitting and what is successful and what isn't, you know, you've got so many with this uh, emphasis placed on launch angle. Uh, to me, that necessarily creates holes in your swing. And when that happens and when hitters can uh, figure out what those holes are and exploit them with the velocity that's in the game now, well, that all helps explain why there are so many more strikeouts. I think you and I chatted last week. Uh, don't be surprised if you see some Big Ten type of football scores with some of these Twins clubs and some of these Twins games that we're going to see. And maybe there was a little bit of that yesterday and, of course, helped up by Nelson Cruz. He uh, gave the fans what we're kind of thinking we'll see at Target Field with him. Yeah, I think uh, he's shown as a visiting player the ability to uh, hit well at Target Field. And uh, the hope is that he'll hit as well for the Twins as he's hit against them at Target Field. And so, uh, you know, he got his first one yesterday, and uh, we expect there'll be you know many more at Target Field uh, and on the road as well. Whether he can duplicate the 37 he hit last year, uh, that remains to be seen. We'll have to wait and see. But there's no question that he offers a presence uh, in the lineup, uh, you know, that hopefully will rub off on some of the other younger players. You know, up until yesterday, it was a little tough for the first two outings, but you're facing two great pitchers with uh, Cleveland. So, yeah, is it have to do with the weather, just kind of feeling themselves out? Or, I mean, because I'm guessing we're going to see a lot more of this, but let's face it, you just got back from Florida. It's going to take a little while for the bats to warm up, you'd think. Yeah, you know, you wonder whether there might not be some wisdom in, in barnstorming your way back up from spring training just to kind of uh, – eliminate the, the cult, the, not the culture shock, but the, the climate shock of, you know, being down there 85 degrees, just about every day in Florida. And then you're open for 35 degrees when you open a target field. Uh, you know, the, the pitchers are going to dominate, uh, early on anyway. And when you've got the caliber of a Corey Kluber and a Trevor Bauer, it was really impressive what the twins did with Carlos Carrasco yesterday. But when you run into really good pitching and then it's cold, and it just seems like it, it's a lot tougher on the hitters early in the season anyway. That's why you have some really low-scoring games. We'll see how that plays out here on this road trip for the games here in Kansas City, Philadelphia, and New York. The temperature is supposed to be uh, in the low 60s uh, throughout the road trip, so maybe that'll help the hitters a little bit. Let's talk again about the pitchers, and uh, we talked so much about Jose Barrios and what a great start he had on opening day, and really, last Thursday, that was a lot of fun. And two hours and 18 minutes, who needs a stinking clock, huh? <laughs> it's amazing what happens when you have even one pitcher who attacks the strike zone like Kluber and Barrios did on Thursday, but when they match up against one another, and they all have, uh, they both have strikeout ability, so the hitters don't want to get to two strikes. They're more aggressive early in the at-bat. Yeah, that was fun to watch, uh, particularly the way you know the, the number one guy for the Twins was just a little bit better than the number one guy for the Indians, and it's been a few years since Twins fans have been able to see that. 
Well, he was. I mean, he's, it's been kind of compared to before, but the way he was pulling the string on some of those pitches, it was like a right-handed Johan Santana. Yeah, he threw 18 change-ups. I asked Wes Johnson, the pitching coach, about that on a Saturday. And he threw 18 of them. Wow. And I only half joking said, well, I think that was a month's worth of changeups for Barrios last year. And, and Wes uh, said, uh, he kind of chuckled and he said, that's exactly what we talked about. That, that was uh, a full month's worth of changeups and he got them all in one start. And it's not just throwing it. He threw some really, really good ones too uh, against some uh, of Cleveland's better hitters and got uh, some soft contact or no contact at all. I think that's going to be a weapon for him this year as he moves forward. You know, it, it's been mentioned that there's, uh, you know, we talk so much about analytics when it comes to hitting and what have you, but there is a little bit that it's been subtly talked about whenever you hear Derek Felvey and Thad Levine mention some pitching mechanic things that they've been working on this offseason. You know, so far so good, I guess, when it comes to that. I don't, there's a lot of new faces when I was walking around behind the batting cage when it came to the coaching staff, but, you know, hopefully it uh, really kind of, Trans, transcends into this 2019 season here. Well, Wes Johnson had a reputation in college, and the Twins made some uh, headlines when they hired someone out of college who'd never been in professional baseball. But when he was in college, he was able to restore lost velocity. Now, if he can do that at the professional level, and the early indications are that he can, he's certainly done it with Martin Perez so far, uh, if he can do that, maintain and elevate velocity, uh, he's going to be very much in demand in this in this uh, current uh, uh, you know climate that we're in in baseball, where velocity is uh, some would say overvalued, but it is a dominant statistic now. Uh, people who throw 95, uh, you know, the average fastball right now is 93, and that used to be not that long ago. That used to be an above average fastball. Now that's just the average fastball. Let's uh, chat a little bit about, we mentioned the starting pitchers and how good they looked with Odorizzi and Barrios, but boy, uh, Taylor Rogers, he came out and he looked like, uh, I, I'd almost I'd go back to like that 2002-2003 team with uh, J.C. Romero and Latroy Hawkins coming out of the bullpen. That's It was a little akin to that. Yeah, and he's reminding a lot of people uh, where he's at right now with where Andrew Miller was three, four years ago. Wow. Uh, he's got the same type of mix. You know, with his pitches, he's got the same command. You know, both pitchers, both Miller and Rogers, are tall. You know, and and, and you know, razor thin. Uh, they conceal the ball well. And I think what we saw in his first two outings this year uh, is just a continuation of what we saw in the second half last year. He was really, really good. You could argue that he was perhaps the best left-handed reliever in the American League last year after the All-Star break. He was that good. And he just does not give up uh, much of anything uh, to left-handed batters. He gave up. He had a hundred at bats last year against lefties. Gave up eighteen singles, no doubles, no triples, no home runs. That is dominance, lefty against lefty. And I think we'll see more of that again this year. Boy, you mentioned that too. That drives me crazy thinking about this. Uh, and I haven't talked to you much about this. The the proposed rule change of a reliever having a face three hitters. Tom Kelly just must be shaking his head like crazy as much as he liked to use those matchups. I, what's your take on that? It just seems to change the game so much. And you think about a guy like Rogers, how, how tough that's got to be on a manager. Well, but you know, Taylor's success last year, uh, and, and why he emerged as one of the better relievers is because he also was 
effective against righties. And I, and I suspect in the other people that I've talked to about this, that I'm in the minority because I like the rule. If you're a left-hander and you can't get a right-handed batter out, maybe you shouldn't be in the big leagues anyway. And, and so I, I, I kind of like the rule. I hope they stick to it and adopt it next year. Cause I do think it'll pick up the game. I remember a playoff game two years ago, the Dodgers used six pitchers to get three outs in one inning. And then you wonder why it, and this was a playoff game and it was almost unwatchable because of all the stops in the action. There's enough non-action in the game now with the preponderance of strikeouts and and to have that many pitching changes. And I know Terry Francona really isn't going to like it because he was the master at it. Uh, You know, in September, you know, he would have all the uh, additional pitchers that the Indians called up available to him. And it was lefty, lefty, righty, righty, lefty, lefty, righty, righty. Well, it's, it's, you know, we're, we're trying to make the game more exciting and more interesting. And uh, there's you know nothing really interesting about going to a commercial break every 45 seconds because <laughs> there's a pitching change. No, that's very true. I've always said it's kind of the pace. It, it would be nice if every pitcher would go out there and, and throw strikes and like Kluber and Barrios and, you know, the, the ump's going to give you the big strike zone. I, to me, that seems to be the biggest key to more than anything as far as pace of the game. Well, uh, there were more strikes called Thursday because the pitchers threw strikes. But right. the other part of uh, that is, well, maybe we can encourage the umpires to call more strikes. Uh, that was not the case in yesterday's game. Uh, we had a home plate umpire that was really struggling with the strike zone, I thought. And uh, so that's all part of it, too. And maybe the answer eventually will be the electronic strike zone. Pitchers will pitch more aggressively if they know that if they throw it in the strike zone, it'll be called a strike. That might help. Dick Bramer with us with our uh, look at the Twins Weekend Wrap and look ahead to this week, and we'll do that right now with uh, Dick Bramer, uh, television voice of the Minnesota Twins here on Couch Potato Radio. And let me ask you this, uh, Dick, just you know, looking ahead to this week, Kansas City, they're kind of after winning the World Series a few years ago back in that rebuilding mode, and you know, you're facing these American League Central teams before you go into uh, the, you know, the great unknown of not having a DH on the road with uh, some interleague play. So I'm sure they want to make some hay here, start starting with these two games. Yeah, and I think one thing that the the Twins uh, have been short in in this kind of bad stretch that they've had going back to 2011 is they've really struggled against the likes of Detroit and Kansas City. Uh, They've actually played the Indians toe-to-toe over the last four or five years, but it's been uh, their deficiency against some of the other teams in the division. And, you know, that's why this series it's just a short two gamer here in kansas city that's why it's important and uh, all the games against the white Sox. obviously if you if you beat kansas city then that means a loss for them so it's you know you want to uh, separate yourself from some of these teams in the division so the division games uh, have always been important but something that the twins hope to do a better job of here this year it'll be interesting to see how the you know rocco baldelli handles you know the national league style play we have at the end of this road trip with uh, three in uh, Philadelphia and two in New York, because uh, it's 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 a different game, and without uh, Nelson Cruz available, uh, unless he plays in the field, I don't think Twins fans want to see Nelson out there. You know, two out of three games, or three out of five, even especially given you know the youth of the Twins outfield. If, if Nelson Cruz plays in the outfield, then who are you going to sit? Buxton, Rosario, right. Kepler. 
So we'll we'll see how that all uh, settles out uh, here uh, later on on this road trip. Yeah, you hate to bench those guys because you want to get them going a little bit too, right? Right, and then you know Jake Cave needs to play. Yeah, I would guess Cave will probably start one of the games uh, here in Kansas City because uh, it's going to be tougher for him to get into the games as a backup outfielder uh, when they do want to get Cruz uh, in the game, maybe the middle game in Philadelphia. But uh, yeah, the strength of this Twins team. Uh, in terms of position players, is in the outfield. So if you're going to make room for Nelson Cruz, somebody's got to sit. Uh, coming up this weekend, as you mentioned, uh, going to Philadelphia, and they get to see the uh, multi-million-dollar man with Bryce Harper. So that's always interesting and fun after all the hype with him this off season. Yeah, it'll be uh, interesting uh, uh, to see how uh, the Philly fans react to Harper. He's hit a couple of home runs early on in front of the home fans. They're actually going to, I believe. Washington to play a series before the twins get to town. Um, you know, that's when we'll talk about it on the telecast, but my goodness, you know, you, you think of where, you know, he's already got what almost 200 home runs in his big league career and he's 26 years old. And now he'll be playing for 13 years in Philadelphia. Uh, he may end up, you know, surpassing Ruth, Aaron and bonds. You know, when it's all said and done, because the ball absolutely flies out of that ballpark. Yeah, he's a monster. I didn't realize that someone uh, threw me out those numbers with him playing at that ballpark. He, he loves it there, and that's part of the reason I think he probably signed there. Well, and you know we've played there before, and we had a crazy what eleven to ten game there, uh, where everybody, including Drew Butera, hit a home run for the Twins uh, late in the ball game. <laughs> so I know the hitters who were really frustrated because it was it was tough uh, getting hits and runs in the Cleveland series at Target Field in the cold. Uh, they should love uh, hitting there this weekend. Final thing for uh, Dick Bramer here on our Twins Weekend Wrap and looking ahead to this week, brought to you by Jefferson Lines, is you, you mentioned uh, Rocco Baldelli, a first win as a manager on the opening day. And, you know, I, I loved Gardy. I certainly like Paul Molitor for many different reasons. He was always a class guy to deal with. And it seems like this guy is just kind of fitting into the Twins' way that we know with this organization for as long as you've covered and as long as I've been a fan. Yeah, the, the history of the Twins organization, of course, has been to promote from within. Uh, they did that, you know, going back when Tom Kelly got the job. He was a third base coach. Ron Gardenhire was a third base coach. Paul Molitor was in the organization, you know, before uh, he was named manager uh, and was on, on the coaching staff right before he was named manager. But to bring someone, A, from the outside like they've done with Baldelli, and then, B, someone who's never had managerial experience uh, so far so good you know i mean he's he's got a couple of wins the twins are off to a good start i think to the extent you can create a little bit of a buzz after three games they've done that we'll see how it fares uh, how the first road trip fares and managing by national league rules and all that uh, but so far uh, so good for the new twins manager dick thanks so much we'll talk to you again next monday as we'll uh, see how this road trip goes starting tomorrow night and uh, who do you have up in the booth with you this week I've got Justin Morneau. He's not in Kansas City here yet, but Justin's going to do the first uh, three weeks, I guess. So okay. we'll look forward to working for him or with him. And uh, he says he likes to eat on the road. So uh, uh, we'll uh, probably uh, be on the treadmill a lot here in the morning if I end up <laughs> having dinner with him. So <laughs> Yeah, he still looks like he could play. I saw, you know, seeing him up at the opener up at Target Field, man, he, he's still in good shape. Yeah, it was just a couple of years ago he was still playing. and. Yeah. Uh, I've enjoyed working with him. I think he's been very insightful, and uh, and of course, Twins fans uh, 
remember how good of a ball player he is, and uh, I think he's done a great job in the booth as well. Dick, thanks so much for your time, as always. We'll uh, talk to you again next Monday. Next Monday, we'll have an off day in New York. All right, very good. Twins play-by-play voice on the television side, Dick Bramer with us for the Twins Weekend Wrap, sponsored by Jefferson Lions. Jefferson Lions, your number one bus experience for over 100 years, serving North Dakota and cities throughout the upper Midwest. This is Couch Potato Radio. Derek Hansen with you on the Mighty 790 KFGO. All right.